Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to Season 3, Turn Up The Talk. If you're interested in our podcasts, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on socials at Turn Up The Talk. Just a reminder, this is a mental health podcast, so some content discussed may be triggering for some. If you're not feeling up to it, hit pause, come back another day, we're not going anywhere. If it is an emergency, please don't hesitate to contact the Lifeline on 13 11 14. That is a 24-hour service. Thank you and enjoy. Turn up the talk podcast. Tackling mental health together. Man, welcome to Turn Up the Talk, mate. How are you going today? Really well, thanks, man. How are you? Yeah, all right, all right. Silly now, I'm our Sydney lockdown. How's Melbourne going? Yeah, no, we're good. We're well. I think we're doing better than you are. You guys have you guys are posting a, a really solid first innings total now. Yeah, you know, like seven hundred. The other team to bat soon. Absolutely. These are like back in the days when Gilchrist was coming in at seven. You know, we're at six hundred. The other team's exhausted. They've been fielding for three days. Gilly comes in, takes it to 750. It's all over. Um, that's that, They're the areas you're in right now. But we were there. We were there a little while ago. Um, I actually, I was actually saying, I've got a few friends up in Sydney. So uh, for a little, a little while ago, I was sort of giving them, well, they were giving us grief when our numbers were up. Um, and I, you know, you, you know, it's one of those things where like, you know, if, you, if your big brother used to hurt you when you were little, you're like, oh God, you know, I really hope that one day, you know, you fall over and hit your head or something. Uh, and then it happens. And then you're like, shit, that's really hectic. I've, I'm very much in that zone right now. Like when your numbers are up in the three, 400 zones, don't get me wrong that we were high-fiving down in Melbourne, suffering your jocks, your pricks. Uh, but now, now, you know, you're like, yeah, all right, God, you've got them. You've smited them. They're suffering. It's shit. It's a shit time. So I, I, I've, my, I've moved from my vindictiveness is, is washed off and I, I feel for you guys now. So I really hope uh, things get better for you um, soon, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's one of the things with, with COVID at the moment is, that it, it, you know, initially I feel like there was this very much this we're all in it together sort of vibe. Um, and then it, 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 it was slowly fading into this, like, you know, every state for himself, you know, we're all doing a mad scramble for vaccines when they it arrive. It started with the premiers, didn't it? They're the it, ones who just started fucking going at it. I know. <laughs> it's like, we were meant to be a country. All of a sudden, Mark McGowan's like, fuck it, build the wall. And I, <laughs> I don't blame him. If I was in WA, I would, I would build a wall fast. I'd be like, fuck it. We're clear. We've got all the money. We've got all the mining gear. Over here, we've got beaches. We've got Daniel Ricardo. Let's just lock it up. We don't. We don't need you guys. And I, I, I think that's fair enough. But we, we're kind of transitioning. See, the thing is, I think with the Sydney lockdown as well, you guys have. You guys are kind of in this. Um, like you, you're in the stink right now. But you're probably in that area where you, you, you've probably still got people that are going on health kicks. You know, like you're still cooking your sourdough and, you know, you, you know, you're, you, you just bought yourself a new Tour de France virtual bike tour and you're doing that in your living room. You know, you're like, you're like, oh, I'm going to use the lockdown proactively. Melbourne, this is like a well-worn thread. You know, the sourdough tin is well and truly around the side. It's gathering mold. You know, all the hobbies that you thought you'd be good at, the DJ decks are gathering dust. Where, where this is lockdown three in Melbourne is like, I fucking hate the world. 
and there's no amount of fucking bread making that's going to bring you out of it. Like it's a, it is a shit, it is a shit time to be, it's a shit time to be in Melbourne. It's actually, we're breaking point down here. Like I feel like there are people who, um, I saw two like full grown, when I say fully grown, like they're just adult women going at each other the other day in the street because one of them wasn't wearing a mask, like a, like a full scrap. Yeah, like wow. growing handbags and everything. So it's, <laughs> yeah. So it's a, I don't, the tensions are high. Um, so it's probably a good time to talk about mental health, I suppose. We um we had a great chat with the commando. Steve oh, yeah. Nice. Willis. Steve. Yeah. And yeah, he yeah. was very philosophical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting dude. Interesting dude. And I think it didn't take me by surprise, but, and I, and he alluded and he spoke about it. He goes, it you know, did take to- you by surprise. Be honest, like he, he was like, you know, he comes, a little bit, a, but- he comes across as a meat axe and then you start talking to him and you're like, yeah. wow, what are you like, yeah, he's like the Dalai Lama. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he said, he made a good point. He said, it, and like you said before, there is a lot of things that have not a negatives to come out of this, but if there's a couple of positives, it's that we've probably learned to live a different way. Yeah. And to enjoy a different way. I know for yeah. me, one of the best things about it has been just being at home and not having to go anywhere and actually just being with my family. Like I've yeah. absolutely loved it. Yeah. So hopefully it makes people a bit more grateful. But I think like you said, you made a really good point. It's it's hard to be resilient and it's hard to sort of keep trying to be better each day if there's no hope. And I think like we're getting we're clocking, we'll probably clock seven hundred cases yeah. in the next two days. Like yeah. Not a lot of hope there, but yeah. Yeah. If anything was positive, it's hopefully that we we learn to live in a more happier and sort of less materialistic way, I guess. Yeah. I think the hope thing is massive. Like it's uh, I think there's a line in in there's a book called A Wrinkle in Time. They made a really shit movie about it recently with Oprah. Um, but um there's a line in there where she says something like, Hope is humanity's greatest weapon and their greatest flaw. You know, like it's it's the thing that we, we you know cling to and we feel like we need. Um, and when it's gone, we're 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 bereft, like we're we're shattered when we haven't got any hope. So I think what I would say to that, and bear in mind everything I say in this podcast, 50% of it is complete bullshit. So <laughs> So uh, anyone who's listening to this, take it with a grain of salt or oh, boys, just delete it. Um, the, I think that one, what kind of what I was saying before about that achievement um, or work and enjoyment or work and reward model. Um, I think that the reason that works for me sort of isolating, Hey, I'm doing a bit of work now. And that can be something really small. Like I'm doing a bit of gardening. And then I'm going to have a beer or I'm cleaning out my closet. I'm just picking. That's not a, that's, I promise that's not a line from a song. That's like, you're actually, anyone in COVID is actually cleaning out their closet. We all clean out our closets in COVID. If you haven't done it, do it. It's good. You can just start filing shit up. Um, anyway, so I'm cleaning out my closet. Okay. That means that I'm going to go and have a nice cup of tea in the sun afterwards. It's really small things, but you're sort of like re-hardwiring your reward system. Because ordinarily our reward system in the everyday is these huge grandiose ideas of hope. Um, I'm going to go overseas, you know, in six months time, I've got booked this massive holiday. I'm going to go for this big job. I've got this big project. I'm going to try and 
go to a music festival then, you know, like they're huge, massive, lofty goals, which have we, we kind of have to bring in. Um, and you can do that. And that's why I was talking about those case numbers before. I find, and I suppose to anyone who I'd recommend this to in Sydney, just get rid of them. Like they're totally out of your control. Don't even look at them. Like just don't even think about them. Like don't even look at the news because you're, you're not going to, that's not an achievable goal. <laughs> you, you can't, there's no amount of wishing or praying that you can do that's going to bring the numbers down. And in fact, it's, it's really debilitative, I think, for your mental health to even try and think about where it's going. So that's why I was talking before about changing your uh, work and achievement or work and enjoy model because then you'll find that your scope for hope, that's a nice line, scope for hope, your scope for hope is reduced. And then you, your, your hope is not contingent on an uncontrollable number. Your hope is contingent on, hey, it's a nice morning this morning. I get my reward yeah. of going for a walk with a dog. Controlling the things you can control. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think a lot of people think about like controlling the thing that you're wishing for. You know, you just, you just, you, you wish for the broadest, wildest, biggest thing, <laughs> but now's not the time to do that. Why not wish for, I hope it's a nice morning tomorrow morning. So I get to go for a walk, you know, like just changing, yeah. just shrinking what your ambitions are so that you can actually fulfill them. Um, Cause everything seems, as you said, control the uncontrollable. Everything seems so out of control right now. So don't even try. Um, I know that was a real sure path to me and my mental health really spiraling early on. So will you work with your best mate, Woody? Yeah. Yep. And you do the drive home on Kiss FM. Yeah. With a Woody for the drive home. But when you opened up about your mental health journey, you yep. talked about how hard it was to go on air five days a week. Yeah. Be the funny guy, bounce yep. off each other, make everyone's days happy when you yourself weren't happy. Yeah. Talk to us about that experience and just take us back to the beginning of your mental health journey. Um, oh, I probably started feeling really flat about 10 years ago. Um, I was in Perth and I, uh, I, I think I was probably like 23 and I 20, 23 when I got the first, when I got my first radio job in Perth, my first like real radio job in Perth, I was doing weekends and late nights with Woody in Melbourne on Fox FM back in the day. Uh, but then we went and did Perth and I kind of, you know, classic case of anyone who goes to school and, you know, I, I hope if anyone runs a podcast on Australian education system then and you're hearing this, then have me on because I've got a rant. I'm going to spare you, boys. I'm going to spare you because I've already ranted about bread and dog walking for a little while and cleaning out closets, so I'll move on. But I feel like most people in Australia go through the schooling system. You get told what you should do, so you get good enough grades. Like, yeah, cool, go and do that. And then most people, most of my friends, I don't know about you boys. How old are you boys? 22, 23. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. When I got to that age, perfect. So I'm, I'm talking to you. When I got to your age, most of my friends had a moment where they woke up and they were like, what the fuck am I actually doing? <laughs> like, I just got these grades <laughs> yeah. at school. I got these grades at school and someone told me that I could write. So as a result, the highest degree I could do with writing was doing law. So I did that. And then I got to the end of law and I was like, I actually hate law. Like just because I can write, like just because you have a strong aptitude for something doesn't mean that you like that thing. So I was 
totally um, disenchanted, disenfranchised with who I was and what I was doing. I had no purpose, um, no sense of goal or, or, yeah, purpose is the right word. And I I had a, yeah, real breakdown actually. And I would really challenge you guys and I suppose anyone who's your age to be brave enough to have a stop and have a think about what that means um, and what that is at your age. Because I think that you guys were telling me before about this suicide endemic that you kind of experience with you and all your friends. And I don't know this to be true. I don't know the ins and outs of who they are or what's going on with them. And obviously suicide can, can occur because of just a litany of different factors, but I feel like not enough time is spent with teenagers and young people in their early twenties with this is your goal that's different to who you are and what your purpose is. They're really different things. Um, and in a lot of ways, I say this lightly, but I mean it. I feel like I was really, really lucky to have the breakdown that I did then because it made me stop and look at my life. Um, and I was lucky that it didn't catch me. I was lucky that I didn't, it didn't get that far. Don't get me wrong. I had a shocking experience. I went into the GP and she um, threw me a pack of Prozac like I was buying gum at 7-Eleven <laughs> and was like, you know, get some of these into you, mate. Um, and that was shocking. Uh, and then I went to a psychologist and they were like, yeah, what the fuck? Like Perth is a bit of a cowboy town, particularly then 10 years ago. Um, so... Yeah. And then from there, I suppose, again, I'm going to call myself lucky, but I was really, really lucky that I had radio because I had to do the show with Woody and we had to rock up and do a comedy show. And, you know, if you guys know Woody, like he's a very silly guy, he can be really silly and he makes me laugh a lot. And, um, you know, we often joke about this, but uh, on days when I was feeling really flat, I would rock up and his gear would just not land. <laughs> and he would sort of go out of the, go out of the studio and go to the kitchen and make himself a cup of tea and be like, fuck, am I, am I just not funny today? Like, is my, is my gear really shit? Um, uh, which sometimes it definitely was, but I, it was a great moment for us to be able to go like, okay. You know, it was almost like this red flag got raised like, Hey, if I'm not vibing, then something's not up, something's up. And then I was lucky because we were forced to have that conversation. Because if I'm not laughing, if I'm not enjoying the show, the show doesn't work. So that's the end of the show. So it's unlike someone who, you know, works behind a piece of machinery or, or a computer or whatever, because you, you know, the, the show can go on. I know lots of people who are very anxious or very depressed and they churn out great spreadsheets, you know, like the, you can do it. So I'm lucky that it, you know, don't get me wrong. It's very painful. Sometimes I'm on the floor crying um, during Kesha's new track. And that's largely because it's a shit track, but um, also, also because it's a really hard thing to do a radio show when you're depressed. So that's kind of the, in a nutshell, the journey. And then um, as a result, because of how close we are with Woods, 
um, we're able to use that to our advantage. And I suppose that that's what this is all about for you guys um, is that you can, the only way through this is through the people around you. It's not doing it yourself. We've spoken to quite a few footy players and yeah. some other names like Gus Wallen. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Steph Caminiti over in Perth with the yeah, yeah. Foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one thing that they've all sort of said, and you've just touched on it as well, is just that ability to having to keep going. Yeah. I want to know, did you feel like you had a sense of, well, my job is to make people better, so I've just got to put what I'm feeling to the side and I've got to get on with it? Um, great question, Lucky. Uh Damn, you really made me think. Normally I can just answer these questions with a bit of a shallow diatribe, cute gag about how shit Kesha's songs are and we move on, but you fucking stumped me. Um, I, look, the first thing I'd say is that there's no... Uh, it's horses for courses. There's no... You know, and I really got to stress this. Anyone that's listening to this, like, there's no right or wrong way to get through your experience. Um, in all honesty, my experience is not one like there's. Re- okay, so when we think of the word resilience, right? So I, I suppose that's what you're talking about with Gus Wallen, and you know, like this idea of like keeping on right? Carrying on, you know? So with that, the synonyms that come to mind are like fortitude and strength and grittiness, right? But I don't actually think, but I think with mental health, particularly your own mental health, not particularly your own, how you treat another person who's going through something with their mental health, the strength, the resilience is in the softness, it's not about, you know, when, I, when you think about carrying on, it's like this hard edged thing. That was arguably my problem was that I was too hard on myself. I was too hard on myself. I had to keep going. You know, I was doing it for other people, you know, like I'm, you know, carrying the baton. That's why I'm, I, I almost shirk away from the word brave when people talk about mental health. Oh, you're so brave to talk about your mental health. No, like let's not make it this arduous thing that you've got to drag yourself through like be be kind to it like you're obviously hurting because there's a suffering going on in you and you're never gonna expose and deal with and process that suffering by dragging it on you're gonna open up by being soft with what's going on inside you and so i actually had to put down the baton of i'm doing this for other people I had to stop and be like, you're hurting here, mate. The radio show is going to be all right. What, what do you need? <laughs> what, what do you need? And, and the funny thing was that I used to think that the people around me needed me to keep going. But if you actually have that chat with someone, the people that really love you, they'll say, mate, if you need to fucking just put it all down for a sec, just do it. <laughs> that nothing would make me happier <laughs> than letting, let, let me help you. That's one of the things that I, I, the last episode I did for the Share My Mood podcast, I, I released this app recently called Share My Mood, which is helping 
you reach out to other people when you're feeling flat because it's, it's paradoxically it's the hardest thing to do you know that the way out of it is to tell the people but you almost can't so the share my mood app you, you can tell someone in your phone book how you're feeling in like three clicks you don't have to write the message the app writes the message for you it's really slick but the final episode i made a podcast in the lead up to the release of the app and the final episode i made was called give your friends the cape and it's this it's this message that roman kemp gave me he's a radio jock in london he's like george michael's godson he's this really uber massive celebrity actually he, he, he wrote it made a documentary for the bbc called our silent warning our silent oh shit i can't even remember it hopefully he doesn't hear this uh anyway it's big it was a big job it was big <laughs> don't laugh you bastards um can you turn your microphones i was not going to hear you laughing otherwise you're just like <laughs> silent assassins in the background there I'm <laughs> Roman's a big deal. He's a big deal. Um, yeah, he's about to brush you after he heard. Seriously, he's a big deal. I can't remember his doco. Um, he he said to me that was one of the things he said because one of his friends suicided, and he was like, "I just wish that he had have let me be his hero. I wish he had have given me the cape." And I feel like particularly with men, that's the issue. And so when you talk about Going back to your question, Lockie, perseverance, carrying on, resilience. You don't have to do that yourself. And in fact, I'm going to double down on that and say, you can't do it yourself. The only way through it is to tell someone who's not going through it. That's, that's the key. So I, yes, you have to carry on. Yes, you have to persevere for the people around you, but let the people around you do it for you. Let go of your masculinity. Let go of the fact that you're going to be the guy who's going to clock the game. You're not. No one who has ever made it in anything did it by themselves. No one in anything, like like anything. Like the Beatles had that George Martin dude producing them. Um, Edmund Hillary had Tenzing Norgay carrying his fucking pack for him. Every director who's ever made any film relied on a big, epic, actor delivering an incredible performance it's around us all the time but as men we still think that we're the ones who are going to do it for us michael jordan scott pippen like there it just it's everywhere it's so in your face but it's funny that we deny it and we think that it's cooler to do it by ourselves but it's just not all right so for someone let's use a man for in this example yeah they're feeling depressed and anxious and they're, they're feeling they want to speak out, but they don't know how because it is that stigma and it is daunting. Yeah. But they know they have to. Yeah. What advice would you give them? What's the first step? How do they do that? Download the Share My Mood app. Yeah. Turn your fucking microphone on, Lucky you bassy. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I thought you were doing a bit. I was doing a bit, mate. You don't have to download the Share My Mood app. Oh, there's, a, there's a perfect place to shamelessly plug an app. Um, yeah, but no, no, no. It'll cost you too. No, it's free. It's free. That'll cost you to plug the app. On oh, oh, you bastard. <laughs> I get an invoice afterwards, do I? Uh, fair enough. Um, um, what would I do? If, am I just coming to terms with it? Yeah. First time. First time I felt it. Yeah, well, you've say two weeks. You've been having it for two weeks, and you, you're starting to realize that you know what I do need to speak out. I don't know how. Okay, it's really really simple. Step one: 
Call your GP. Everyone's got a GP. Go in there. Tell them that you're feeling really flat. Get a mental health plan. Bang. I'd say that's step one. Call your GP. All right. Once you've hung down, hung up the phone from the GP, find the person that you love the most in the world, who you think that you can be the most vulnerable with, the most safe with. Your mom, your dad, someone that you know has got you. As Gus Wallen would say, who's you got you for life? And just send them, just call them. And if you can't call them, but from the share, in the share my mood podcast, I realized that calling people and using words is really hard because often your voice betrays your emotion. And we've got this psychological hang up where we feel like we don't want to be a burden on someone and speaking about things is really hard. Send them a text message. Just say, I'm feeling really low. I really want to talk. It can be like that. And you would be amazed Whoever's listening to this, you would be amazed at the amount of people that want to catch you. As I said, give your friends the cape. Let them be your hero. Give them that privilege. And I, like, there's nothing, nothing but good things to come from that conversation. Like, like through the show, I've met some of the roughest tumbliest people in the world like like the like people who are like carved from rock and they've stumbled into some of the stuff i've done on mental health they saw that chat with me and woody talking on the couch they listened to the share my mood podcast whatever it was and they come up to me and they like the, the instantly they break it's like we have a secret with each other it's like hey mate i don't have to be i don't have to be who I pretend to be with everyone else with you because you've been vulnerable. It's like you, you access a whole nother level of connection with the people around you and you get so much respect for it. So yeah. much respect. So talk us through the app. So you've just, you've briefly told us about it. It's a, yeah. it kind of writes the message for you. It takes that side of it away. Just talk us through it all. What is it? How do you use it? Where yeah. do we find it? Everything like that. We're asking you so you don't have to um, bring it up again. I was going to say, <laughs> this is the sponsored bit, right? Um, <laughs> um, so essentially, you... Um, or Yeah, just share my mood. Just download it uh, wherever you get your apps. And all it does is it just asks you. It, it just sets an alarm on your phone. So you just get a little check-in notification at any time you like. So at the start of the day, it'll say, hey, do you want to check in? You obviously don't have to check in every day. You can just ignore the notification. Um, but you click on it. And then, because sometimes I don't even know when I'm depressed. I know that sounds weird, but checking in with yourself is a bit of a skill as well. I'm going to share a really rattling stat with you, but something like 70% of men who suicide in the UK don't even think they're depressed. Wow. <laughs> like they don't even think they are they just think that there's this like problem and men have got such often such rational problem solving brains that they're just like issue can't deal with it there's the answer and is that because they're not educated on what depression is or they're in denial of it probably a bit of both pat yeah probably a bit of both i reckon i mean i don't know the answer but i, I would say a lot of it is yeah like what the hell is this thing 
I have no idea. Um, it's terrifying. It's making me feel insecure, vulnerable, sad, empty, whatever it is. Um, I can't deal with that. And number two is if they if they have got that thing, then because they're a man and they're, 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 they're feeling like they need to cling on to sort of stereotypical ideas of what being a man is, then yeah, they, they don't feel comfortable to share it with someone else. And the, as I said, the only way out, when you asked me before, how, how would you best go about tell, you know, moving from this? Number one, call your GP. Number two, I mean, look, they're interchangeable really, but reach out to someone. And so back to the share my mood thing, that's what share my mood does. First thing is it's just all it is, is like a little slidey scale. So you've got a sad face and a happy face on the screen. You just try and put it somewhere. It doesn't matter where it is. It's just, a, it's just, a, it's just purely for the, the task of checking in. And then it just asks if you want to tell someone how you're feeling. You might, you might have slid it all the way to happy. And so it, and the app conjures a text message for you based on where you put the slidey on the scale. So you don't have to think about it. I feel like a lot of the time when I'm really flat, it's like, oh, fuck, what do I say? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to burden them. I don't want to interrupt their day. So you use the slidey scale and then you send them a text message and then, yeah, it, it does it all for you. So you've actually, it, it does the reaching out thing for you. So it takes the problem off your hands so that somebody else can help you. Um, and I know like lots of kids are using it with parents as well, because a lot of parents are finding it really hard to talk to their kids about this sort of stuff. So um, yeah, that's all it is. If you want to learn more about it though, um, I did a podcast before its release about how I made it, which is just called Share My Mood. So you can you can download that as well, which has got a lot of Gussie Wallen on there. A lot of um, Sam Harris, my hero, is on there. It's, I had some wild chats on that podcast. So um, yeah, it was cool. Roman Kemp, the guy whose documentary I couldn't remember. <laughs> Gus, speaking of Gus Wallen, he sort of said something that resonated with us. And it was, we, you know, I always stuff this up. We have a lot of friends in this country, but we don't have a lot of mates. Yeah. You said before that, you noticed once um, you sort of opened up that their people's respect for you, especially in your inner circle changed. Yeah. How did those relationships change? Because I feel as particularly males, we don't do well with having emotional connections yeah. with other men purely just to talk about our feelings. And yeah. we don't see the value in it. Whereas yeah. some of the most meaningful relationships that I have are with people that I have that with. Yeah. So can you sort of elaborate on how that changed and why you would say it's such a positive thing to do? Yeah, sure, man. Um, well, so the first thing I'd say about that is I don't like, don't make this a um, mountain of a problem. Don't try and shift mountains immediately. You're not going to, you're not going to go from zero to a hundred in terms of like, you know, having a beer and a dart with your mate into plumbing the depths of each other's psychology, right? It doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. And you might not want that either out of a friendship. So what you want out of a friendship is obviously your choice. So the first thing I would say is don't try and fight 450 million years of evolution, which is a man as he is now. With, like, with all the hangups of struggling to talk about their feelings, their emotions, at the end of the day, biologically, we're, these out, we're, we're made in these alpha creatures who were put on the planet to reproduce 
and protect the one that we that we produced. We're not designed to talk about our feelings, right? That's just not that's not something that we're meant to do. And that's where we've got this. That's why the suicide is such an issue now. Is it's we're so obviously ill-equipped to deal with the slings and arrows of being a man in the modern day. With, with, with the old like you know the fact that we can throw throw a stick well means that doesn't mean that we can deal with our emotions well. So don't try and fully don't think that you can fully reverse that. The reality is we are really poorly equipped. So I think chipping away at it is the way to go. So rather than ha- sitting down and looking your mate in the eye and being like, right, let's just put all that manly shit aside and let's just let's just eyeball each other, you know? Unless you've had a heap of drugs, that generally doesn't happen. I think the key is to chip away at it. So I know in the Beyond Blue, people talk about shoulder-to-shoulder exercises. So riding a bike rock climbing, surfing, because you're not actually looking at the person directly in the face and guys really struggle struggle with that. So when you are riding or surfing or doing whatever you're doing, you can sort of, you know, just chip away at it then. Hey, mate, how are you actually going? Throw the ball back to each other. You know, yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, but like, how are you actually going? So yeah, get yourself a shoulder to shoulder exercise, I would say. If you want to start asking about things, that's the way to, that's, that's the forum to do it in with men. Secondly, this thing that Roman Kemp spoke about on uh, share my mood on the, our silent witness forward slash alarm forward slash killer podcast uh, documentary. Um, definitely not the name. Yeah. No, definitely <laughs> not the name. Uh, he spoke about the two okay rule, which I think is really critical as well. So as guys, you know, if you are doing that shoulder-to-shoulder activity, you're like, hey, mate, how are you going? And are you okay? And the first response is 99.95% of the time, yeah, good. <laughs> so you kind of just need to like accept the yeah, good as a, it's almost just like an involuntary defensive response. It's like, yeah, maybe he'll take the yeah, good. So your job as the friend is to then go, yeah, but are you okay? So there's two okays there. There's two are you okays there. You got your first one, which is just your setup. You know, you stand, your Dorothy Dixo is what they'd probably call it in Parliament. Here's a question that I know that you're going to dish me back exactly what I need. Perfect. You're good. Great. Okay. Disregard. Hey, are you okay? But are you actually okay? And then, in answer to your question, Locke, I think then if you put the time into that person by asking them if they are okay twice, whether it's throwing a ball or riding a bike or whatever it is. Then you give your chance, yourself a chance and your friendship a chance, a chance to grow beyond the mundane of however much fun you can find in between drinking and sport and punting. Because then then you have a chance to actually experience like, a relationship and i know that you guys are doing this podcast because you felt that way with someone i wouldn't be talking to you if you if you hadn't felt that way with a friend and i know you can probably both of you attest to the fact that as you said lucky they're your best friends they're the ones that you feel like you have a connection with and at the end of the day like what the fuck are we here for are we here to punt and drink and smoke and talk about chicks sure some of the time it's fun 
But like when you look back on your life, you will forever remember the connections that you had that meant something to you, that touched you, that, that stayed with you easily way more than any cigarette or beer or $10 multi that you had on that. Cause that's the stuff that's real. So I think, yeah, in answer to your question, that's what you have to gain from being vulnerable with somebody, being kind, being soft with someone, asking them about this stuff and letting them tell you about it because, and there's nothing to lose. Like there's nothing bad that comes from that conversation. The worst thing that comes is they say, yeah, no, I'm good. And then you carry on throwing a ball or surfing or riding your bike or whatever you're doing. Well, like that's the worst. You're already doing that. It's not even a worst case scenario. You just, you, you just carry on doing what you're doing. So, but I guarantee you that person will be grateful that you asked them. That's very real, mate. And um, I think, like you said, getting, especially men to take that jump, opening up in small little increments, but also just, you know, telling them or refreshing them about the perceived benefits of these relationships. And yeah, that's very, well, yeah, well, well, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Again. And, and, and I know this with some of my mates, it just depends who you're talking to, but you don't need to, you don't need to tell them about it. You don't need to tell them what you're doing. You don't, you don't need to make it like, we know that guys are going to be shy around this shit. So don't give them the, don't give them the out. Don't tell them what you're doing. Don't, don't tell them where it's going or what's happening. Just do it. You know, and it, 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 it'll work itself out. And you, you, as I said, you're kind of chipping away at this 450 million years of evolution, this diamond of, you know, masculinity and, you know, grittiness that we feel like we need to have to be a, an acceptable man. It's so strange. Yeah. We, um, we're going to sort of round off now with some a word association game. We thought that could be pretty fun. And given you've got a few buzzwords that you've mentioned and that hit some trigger points. So we thought Have we I? might get that out of you. So just, just one, one of the buzzwords word. is not the final word in Roman Kemp's documentary, is it? That's, <laughs> that's eluded me from the start. Just um, give us the first word that comes to mind when you hear these things, right? So okay. first one, so yeah. we'll rattle them off quickly. Mental health. Okay. Crisis. Support network. Genuine. Radio. Shit ass. Woody. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Woody. Sorry, no, I love my job. Uh, Woody. <laughs> um, uh, love. AFL. Elite. Kyle Sanderlands. Inspiring. Pfizer. Wankers. App. Download it now. Jeez, there's a few <laughs> words there, but you could. <laughs> Opportunity. <laughs> awesome well thanks mate thank you for um for coming on i think it's been very real and that's all we can ask of people that come on and you know some people still aren't real with us when they want to come on and, and that's absolutely fine but we really appreciate you going through what were you detailing what you've been through and all we can do with this is hope that people listen and try and reach out for help or be that pillar of hope for someone else like you spoke about and like you said, you're not brave, but you're, you're very inspiring. Thank you. Thanks, man. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I think you guys do a wonderful thing. Um, so, yeah, let me know when it goes out and I'll, um, I'll share it on the, um, the Willem Woods gear as well so you can get a few, 
get a few more hits, but you guys are doing a really cool thing, I reckon. So bravo to both of you as well. And I'm really sorry to hear about everything that's gone on with, with you and your friends, but similar to me and everything I went through, um, I feel like there is a bit of a silver lining in that I'm sure that both of you probably have benefited in being in who you now become because you've learned about this stuff and your relationships as a result of that. Um, yeah. Great stuff, guys. It's been a pleasure to talk. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Turn up the talk podcast, tackling mental health together.